if you've been around in, in church for a while, you're familiar with the passage from Isaiah chapter seven, especially with Christmas. Um, Isaiah seven fourteen is the uh, the the prophecy about Emmanuel, um, and uh, everybody hears that one. I should mention, by the way, we're going to do Lord's table toward the end of the the service uh, today. Um, we'll be doing it after the message, and um, but you know we've all we've all read uh, Isaiah. At some point, even if you only heard it uh, like in that Charlie Brown uh, Christmas specials or something, um, the 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 prophecy from Isaiah chapter seven, verse 14, the Lord himself will give you a sign sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And when we hear that, we always think about Jesus. Right. I mean, because it's used in the Gospels about Jesus. And so um, we we think of it that way. We think of, okay, this is a, this is a prophecy about Christ. And it is, um, it most definitely is, but it's actually couched inside of um, uh, a series of prophecies that Isaiah gives to King Ahaz. Um, And so in order to not bore you endlessly with historical notes, that's why I I wrote some stuff um, concerning the kingdoms and, and you can take a look at that. Um, We'll post it on the website as well. Uh, but, um, basically what happened was there was a, a king that, uh, Isaiah grew up under, uh, named Uzziah and, uh, Uzziah died when, uh, Isaiah was pretty young. Um, and, uh, and it seems like what happened was Uzziah reigned for like forever. I mean, he was king for a long time and his son, Yotham, um, appears to have been, uh, reigning with him, and he died. And then uh, Ahaz, uh, his grandson, Uzziah's grandson, became king, and he ruled along with Uzziah. And then finally Uzziah died, and Ahaz was going to be king on his own. And Ahaz was a young man at the time, um, and Isaiah was also a young man at the time. In fact, his wife um, is called uh, the Hebrew word that's translated as virgin, um, just means that uh, probably they were they were just married um, when uh, she had uh, her first son, um, and then she has two other sons um, that become a part of this. So let's just go to Isaiah chapter seven, and um, we're gonna we're gonna be in Isaiah chapter seven verse one. Uh, in the days of Ahaz, the son of Yotham, son of Uzziah, king of Judah, Rezin, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah the king of Israel came up to Jerusalem to wage war against it, but could not yet mount an attack against it. When the house of David was told Syria is in league with Ephraim, the heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. So here's a a young king in a difficult situation. um, And uh, God is going to send Isaiah to be uh, his voice to uh, Ahaz. In verse three, the Lord said to Isaiah, go out to meet Ahab, uh, to meet Ahaz, you and Shear Yashub, your son, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the washer's field. Now, that's a specific address, um, but this is where he's going to go with his son, his very young son. Um, we don't know how old Isaiah's son was, but he couldn't have been very old, probably, um, probably just a, a little guy. And um, his, his son, Shear Yashub, his name means 
uh, a remnant will survive. Uh, and all three of Isaiah's sons have significant names. Um, and this first son is given this name um, as a prophecy. Now, we all joke around about Ariel and Nicole, that anything that they do can wind up as a sermon illustration. Um, but imagine being the child of a prophet, uh, where not only can everything you do wind up as a sermon illustration, but the prophets have to actually give you names that fit with whatever their job is. Um, in fact, his third son gets a whopper of a name. Um, but this first son, uh, the message that God gives through Isaiah and through his wife um, is that there will be a remnant. There will be somebody who will survive. Um, and this is an important message for Ahaz because he and his people, we just read it, their hearts shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. And what was happening in the world at this time was that um, Assyria was the rising power and they were just over the horizon and they were attacking um, what's translated here as Syria, but was the kingdom of Aram Damascus. Um, the city of Damascus is founded in their capital um, and the, the, the kingdom of Israel, the northern kingdom, uh, which was ruled by a usurper named Pekka. We don't have to get into all the details of that. And so because the Assyrians were pushing down on Israel and Aram Damascus, Aram Damascus and Israel are pushing down on Judah. And Judah is not a big country. It's not a powerful country. We read the Bible, when we read the text and we, we read all these things in First Kings, and you tend to think, oh, these are, you know, these are big, powerful countries. Uh, Judah is not a big country. Its, it's, its main core of its, of its land is really not much bigger than the area from about Concord to the Massachusetts border. Um, it, it's a small country, and it's, it's almost all uh, shepherds and, and farmers. There's, there's, not a, there's not a big economic powerhouse or anything. So they're understandably under pressure. And Isaiah brings his son out and goes to speak to him. And he says, he says in verse four, say to him, so Isaiah say to uh, Ahaz, be careful, be quiet, do not fear, and do let, let your heart faint because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands at the fierce anger of Rezin and uh, Syria and the son of Armelia. Um And he, Isaiah says, don't fear. Now, this message is going to be conveyed through all three of Isaiah's sons. So the first one is, um, don't, don't be afraid. We're going to get through this. Don't do something stupid. A remnant will remain. Um, he provides a prophecy about all of that. You can read that when you get a chance. But then uh, the Lord speaks again in verse 10. The Lord spoke to Ahaz, ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, hear then, O house of Israel, this is Isaiah, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? In other words, uh, Ahaz is demonstrating a lack of faith. He doesn't want to believe that God will help him. Um, and so he doesn't even, he's not even willing to ask for God to show him how he's going to help him. And then we get the famous verse, the Lord, verse 14, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. 
And Emmanuel, although we, we read that Emmanuel, we say God with us, right? Because that's the translation that's in the New Testament. Um, the, the real meaning is not God with us, as in God is alongside of us. Uh, the meaning of the, of the statement is that God is among us. He is present in us, with us, among us. That the presence of God has not abandoned uh, Ahaz in the kingdom of Judah. And, and people had this, they were kind of looking at this, all the, the things going on in the world, and they're thinking, okay, God has abandoned us. Um, he, he's left us behind. And so God says to Isaiah, okay, go to your wife. Behold, the virgin shall conceive. The, the maiden is actually the, the word here, the, the young woman. Um, he says to her, he says, go and you're going to have a child. We want to name that child Emmanuel, God with us. Verse 17 uh, says, the Lord will bring you and upon your people and upon your father's house such a day has not, as has not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah, the king of Assyria. He says, you know what? You need, you're need. you worried about Aram and, and, and Israel and, and the, the big concern, but there is something on the horizon that could be much, much worse. Um, and and he, he has this line, I mean, verse 20, there's, there's all this colorful language in Isaiah. In that day, the Lord will shave with a razor that is hired beyond the river with the king of Assyria, the head and hair of the feet, and it will sweep away the beard also. Uh, in other words, the, Assyria is coming and Assyria is bad. Um, and so with Emmanuel, um, there's this moment, and I, I skipped over a, a verse. I just want to say back to verse um, verse 15, uh, talking about Emmanuel, this actual kid, Emmanuel, Isaiah's second son, he shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. In other words, he'll have a pretty good life um, after he's older. But before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land who this kings, these two kings you dread will be deserted. The fear of the present moment will be over before this young man is old enough to know right or wrong. And any parents in the room know um, you know, kids, uh, it takes a while before kids figure out right and wrong, obey and disobey. So he says, you're so worried about, you're so worried about, uh, Aram and you're so worried about Israel. And before this kid, this infant is even, is even a toddler. Um, they're not going to be a concern. There's a much bigger thing coming, um, that you need to be worried about. And then in verse eight, uh, chapter eight and verse one, um, we get, um, and I have to be honest with you, we have to get a, we're at a passage of scripture that I have since a little kid waited to hear a sermon on. So I'm going to do one. Uh, in chapter eight and verse one, and the Lord said to me, take a large tablet and write on it the, in common characters. In other words, write in it in the language that anyone who speaks any related language to Hebrew will understand, belonging to Maher Shalal Hashbaz. And I will get reliable witnesses, Uriah the priest and Zechariah the son of Yerachiah, to attest for me. And I went to the prophetess. Now that's his wife, right? the prophet's wife. And she conceived and bore a son. And the Lord said to me, call his name Mahershala Hashbaz. For before the boy knows how to cry, my, mother, my father or my mother, the wealth of Damascus and the spoil of Samaria will be carried away before the king of Israel. Now, um, uh, his first son, Sheriashov, means a remnant will survive. That's his name. So we're going to get through this. 
The second son that Isaiah and his wife has is named Emmanuel. God is with us. So we'll get through this. God is with us. There's something worse coming. You're worried about God abandoning you now. There's something much worse coming. But then he gets his third son, uh, Mahershala Hashbaz, the longest name in the Bible. And his name means um, the end comes fast for the prey that runs away. All right. Now, that is that is one name for somebody to have. Uh, and the idea of the name, the idea of what's going on there is um, basically, uh, if you think about a predator, all right, um, well, if you, if an, if, uh, 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 if you've ever been hiking, uh, they'll talk, they talk about like when you're dealing with bears, this is a, this is a good example. You're dealing with a black bear. My wife thinks black bears are all cute and everything, and they're fine from a distance, as long as there's a big solid wall separating you from them. Um, but when you're in the woods and you encounter a bear, the last thing you want to do is turn around and run away. Um, because what the bear goes, oh, fun, I will chase you, and starts to chase you. And, and, and I mean, brown, uh, black bears, um, brown bears are a different subject, but uh, black bears, they don't really, they're not like malicious. They, they're, they're not like ferocious, fierce uh, grizzly bears who just you know, whack uh, people for fun. Um, but they're big and they're strong and they're powerful. And, and if you run away, they assume, you know, you're, uh, you might be tasty and they, they give chase. Um, and so uh, this idea that the prey that runs away, the end comes fast. It's better to stand and fight. And, and the message that God is giving through this son, and he says to him, he says, he says to Ahaz, he says, just stay where you are. Just stand and fight. Don't run away. You run away, things are going to get worse. Now, uh, I'm going to come back to chapter 8, but I just want to let you know what happens with Ahaz. Um, Ahaz doesn't listen to Isaiah. And instead, what he does is he sends an emissary to the king of Assyria. Um, and he, he begs him to help him out with the Syrians and the Arameans. And so Assyria descends on uh, the Arameans, uh, the Aramean capital of Damascus and destroys it. And then the king of Assyria summons Ahaz to come and, um, and appear before him to be basically a client king. And when he goes, he sees that the Assyrians have set up an altar to their god. And he so loves what's being done there that he, he has the, a, a replica of it built in Jerusalem at the temple. Um, and he tells, uh, he tells everybody that that's where they're going to worship. He even seals up the, ro- the, the path between the king's palace and the temple that would have gone to worship the God of Israel. And instead, he wants everybody to worship the God of the Assyrians. And because of that choice... Um, Israel or Judah will be brought to the brink of destruction in the year 723, um, just after his life, uh, his son Hezekiah takes over. Had he stood still, had he stood and fought, the situation might have been very different um, for Ahaz. But the point of the prophecies of the three sons, Isaiah's three sons, is actually explained in chapter in chapter eight. Um, there is a, a, the weight of what is being said. Uh, and so I want to just read Isaiah's uh, reflection here. Uh, Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 11. The Lord spoke thus to me with his strong hand upon me, and he warned me not to walk in the way of this people, saying, 
Do not call conspiracy all that people call conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear, nor be in dread. But the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear, and let him be your dread. And that's a piece of advice for 2020, if ever there was one. And he will become a sanctuary and the stone of offense and a rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel, a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many shall stumble on it. They shall fall and be broken. They shall be snared and taken. Now watch this. Listen. Bind up the testimony. Seal the teachings among my disciples. I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob, and I will hope in him. This is Isaiah talking. Behold, I and the children whom the Lord has given me are signs and portents in Israel from the Lord of hosts who dwells in Mount Zion. And when they say to you, inquire of the mediums and the necromancers who chirp and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living to the teaching and to the testimony? If they will not speak according to this word, it is because they have no dawn. They will pass through the land greatly distressed and hungry. And when they are hungry, they will be enraged and will speak contemptuously against their king and their God and turn their faces upward. And they will look to the earth, behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. Now, that sounds really ominous. Right. But the message here is about the children. Isaiah says, here's the darkness. Here's here's the problem when people don't listen to God in this crisis that they're in. Um, All this stuff is going on, knowing that Ahaz is going to choose to reject the message of God and instead go and seek the help of the Assyrians and just plunge everybody into a worse crisis. But here's something about God. And, and, and this is the side note, but this is why when you read a verse in scripture, all right, you have to read its whole context because if we read this, it's kind of negative and it's kind of dark and it's kind of terrible and oh, dark and gloom. And they chose not to follow God. And that's the way it goes. But look what happens in the rest of, of Isaiah's speech. But there will be chapter nine and verse one, no gloom for her who was in anguish. Now, he's actually, um, he's talking, the her that was in anguish is his wife, right? So giving birth to all these children, they're all a message of despair. Isaiah says to him, name them this. I mean, can you imagine the conversation when Isaiah said to his wife, all right, this one we're going to name Mahershala Hajbaz, all right? Um, So there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish in the former time. He brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. And he begins an oracle that runs from chapter nine to verse chapter nine to chapter 12. And it begins with a line that may sound familiar to you. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. See, all of the fear, all of the doubt, everything that was going on in Israel, everybody was so terrified because they were in the dark. 
And then they started flailing around in the dark, trying to find a solution to their problem. And we're going to get the Assyrians and Isaiah the whole time. He and his sons and his wife, wife are, are, are sitting there and they're a living testament to what God is doing because children are a sign of hope. Um, now, now, you know, so we all know somebody that, you know, oh, my kids are the worst. Oh, I can't stand. But children are a sign of hope. They're a sign of continuation. They're, they're, they're a continuation of life. They're, they're new life, new joy. And remember, these are little kids. Um, his children are all, are all little kids. They haven't even had time to get mopey about the world. They're just, they're, they're little kids. And he's like, look, this is the hope. We have hope in all that's going through. Because there is a light that shines in the darkness. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Um, now, <clears throat> this is, this is a, a, an interesting moment when this, this is told. Um, and I want to, because I want to talk about something that happens in Isaiah's life. And then we're going to, I'm going to finish this up. Um, during Isaiah's lifetime, uh, Hezekiah, who is Ahaz's son, will build a tunnel uh, in Jerusalem that leads to a spring outside of the city so that they can uh, survive sieges. And the project had actually been begun under uh, Hezekiah's uh, grandfather, Uzziah, but Hezekiah actually finishes it. So if you think about digging a tunnel through limestone, which is what you know Jerusalem sits on, in the darkness, you know, chipping away with hand tools. And there's this great story in Jewish, uh, in the Jewish history, I think it's in Josephus, uh, that there were two teams digging and they dug toward each other and they somehow managed to actually meet in the middle, which is a great story, whether it's true or not. But there's actually a plaque in the tunnel that's still there today that says, this is where we finished this, um, which is pretty cool, uh, an inscription. But think about digging in a tunnel and Someone has given you a direction. You want to dig this way. But as you're digging, you're in the dark and you think, uh, you know, maybe I should go this way or go that way. Those that followed the rule, those who, who listened and kept digging the direction that the, the planner was telling them to dig, eventually they reached a point where uh, they broke through and they saw the light of the other diggers. And they said, ah, here we are. Those who walked in darkness have seen a great light. See, the message of Isaiah and his wife and his three children is that no matter how deep the tunnel, no matter how dark the path, no matter how long the road, and we sit around and we go, has God abandoned us? Has God left us alone? And we want to flee and we want to fight and we're frightened and we don't know what to do. If we are willing to anchor ourselves to what what God has called us to do, what God has taught us, what God has revealed to us in his word. Eventually, we will get to the place where the light starts to break through. And I know that 2020 has been just the most brutal year um, in terms of just the stress on us, on our families, on our, on our, our resources, uh, jobs, and, and ministry, and everything else. But no matter what the darkness is, no matter how long the, the, the path is, we have to stay true to the Lord. Isaiah had to live through some real darkness, but he is still alive, actually, when uh, God supernaturally 
saves Judah and Jerusalem from the Assyrians and gives them a whole new lease on life, a whole uh, other new century. Um, because they, because Isaiah and those who are faithful, they grabbed onto what God had revealed, God's word, God's truth. It became an anchor. It became a guidepost, and they were able to go through. So I encourage you to seek out the word of God, spend time in the word, and be challenged by it. In the darkness, seek the light of his word.